The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Today in Watching Your Wealth, some parents want their children to be older before they get control of their trust fund. We'll look at why. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. This is Veronica Dagger, and you're listening to Watching Your Wealth, where you learn all you need to know about building your wealth and protecting your money. Mary Deathridge is Managing Director at Morgan Stanley Private Wealth Management. Welcome, Mary. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. So, Mary, traditionally, it was pretty standard for kids to inherit their trust funds starting at age 25. And you said in more recent history, more parents are delaying that first release of any inheritance money until children are about 30. Tell us why. Well, look, at Americans have really complex lives and lots to worry about. Their own professional careers, growing their assets to protect themselves, making smart investment choices, aging parents. There's so much to worry about, a very long list. But when you look right below the surface, we find that basically investors' biggest concerns are their children. Did they raise responsible individuals who make good choices, who will understand the family code, who respect the effort it took to earn the money and to save for their own futures. So the question is, when should people release inherited funds to future beneficiaries? 20 years ago, it was pretty standard to say that the kids inherited at age 25, 30, 35. Then the baby boomers got older, and their kids got older, and it became obvious that a typical 25-year-old in America today may still be in college, may still be on the dole, may still be finding their way in our economy. Mm-hmm, indeed. I know. It's been, it's been a, you know, in their defense, it's been a, a, sort of a tough time for some of the younger millennials, indeed. And so it might make sense to, for the parents to see, hey, that kids can be on their own two feet a little bit longer or have at least a few years of doing that before they start getting some of that inheritance money. I'm wondering, so what are some of the milestones parents are hoping children hit before they start parting with some of the, that inheritance money. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, the difference between 25 and 30 is massive. By the time you're 30, you've typically gotten your first and maybe even better your second job. You understand how hard it is to get the job offer from an employer, how hard it is to keep the job. You might have bought a car. You might have rented an apartment that was more expensive than you thought you could afford. You finally understand money. Mm. You're more likely to value it when you receive it. Mm, that makes sense, right? So uh, even like a $500 gift, uh, you know, a year from someone is like, hey, man, well, I'll take it. It's better than nothing. It's better than uh, than uh, having to, to spend the long hours in the office for it, maybe. Um, what about um, in terms of how much they're giving at age 30 now? Like what percentage would you say of the inheritance is getting uh, shared at that point? Well, the standard structure is usually you give 25% at the first tranche, which might be 30 years old, and 25% at the next, which might be 35, and the balance, which is 50% when the person's 40 years old. Mm. Standard doesn't mean that every will should be structured that way, Mm -hmm. because you really want to look below the surface again to see who the beneficiaries are and how unique their specific circumstances are. Mm, so you, maybe you want to gauge it um, that if you see they didn't do so well with their their installment when they were 30, maybe you want to adjust some of those ages. Is that a possibility? Right. I mean, so the difference is that if you're structuring it in a will, you're not around to see how it's going to work. Right. 
but often you give young adults like a starter size. Mm-hmm. So to your point, I mean, we, we see people that, um, like, they might have given it a 25, 30, 35 before, but mm-hmm. they, they stretch it out. At 25, you give, to your point, a, a kid a check for $500, they think this is great, it's <laughs> awesome. Compare that if the parents had left them $150,000 mm-hmm. and they didn't even understand what money was about yet. Mm. Like maybe you were talking new sports cars. Right. So basically you want to make sure that you're giving it to them at a time and a starter size during your lifetime that you can observe them understanding money, learning about it, and actually be a mentor for them to make sure it works right. I think that's a great word, mentor, rather than it's not a it's not an effort to control, but rather to mentor and to teach and make sure they've got it. Because I think we've all heard horror stories of people not knowing they were going to inherit. And then they say they're 40 and 50 and inherit millions and just don't know what to do with it and don't know mm-hmm. how, how to handle it. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you can avoid that, you want to avoid that situation from happening and keeping you, you want to keep those heirs uh, in communication in the loop. You don't have to tell them everything, but at least prepare them somewhat. I think it is a service for everyone. Um, you had mentioned wills. I'm wondering how estate planning does factor into all of this. Well, it's really important that the structure of your legal document is going to be legal, but does it really fit your family? Mm-hmm. And that's we. it's often the case that the will doesn't reflect the family dynamics. So it's really important, for example, when you're structuring a will and you're talking about the ages of your young adult children, by that time, what happens if they inherit money in the future and it gets shared with the strangers you don't even know yet? Right. We call those the in-laws. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, look, every state is different, but there are possibilities to allow an inheritance to a child to bypass the, the ability to have to split it with a divorce. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you can set up in some states a trust where – the beneficiary keeps the money in trust during their lifetime, and then it can't be divided in the case of a divorce. Mm-hmm. What's interesting about that is that you're effectively, the parents are devising a will that effectively creates a postnup for their children. I see. Nice yeah. gift to the kids because they don't have to have the conversation because the parents have already designed it properly. Right, right. That is a, that's a good tip. Anything else we should be thinking about or considering when it comes to raising the age of trusts? Anything parents might want to consider before they do this? It's really important to start the money education very young. It goes back to the old-fashioned idea of an allowance, and and most people probably have given up on the idea of an allowance because kids kind of get what they want these days. (laughs) But if you start to, you know, start small when they're young and really have them understand the value of money. Um, I have a son, and he used to bug me like crazy for money, and finally, you know, he wanted to buy something at a store. He made me crazy about it. And finally, I looked down at him, and he's like five years old, and I said, look it, grandmother gave you money for Christmas. If you pay for half, I'll pay for half. And he wandered off, and I said, but I thought you wanted this so much. And he said, Mommy, don't you understand? I spend your money. I save mine. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so five-year-old knew, you know. and he needed to unlearn that lesson. <laughs> oh, yeah. But again, going back to the mentor, that you know, <laughs> then you start to give him opportunities to make mistakes with money. Yeah. Give, give your children uh, a, a money that they have to give to a charity. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it feels like their money, yeah. and they have to make decisions. They feel like they're giving it away. Yeah. It better be giving it away in the right place. 
So that's early investment education, really. Indeed. And I have to say, that's one smart kid you have. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for joining us, Mary. I would love for you to stick around and take our fun financial quiz. Are you up for that? All right. You stick around, too. This podcast is brought to you by Northern Trust Wealth Management. There's more to being a successful entrepreneur than just good business practices. What is it about an entrepreneur's childhood that helped fuel their entrepreneurial spirit? What are entrepreneurs doing to cultivate this spirit in their own children and build a legacy beyond their business? Tune in each month to the Road to Why podcast by the Northern Trust Institute, where host Eric Shapea dives deeper with leading entrepreneurs on these topics and more. Find the Road to Why where you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hi, this is Paul Gigo, host of the Potomac Watch podcast. Join me and my colleagues every week as we dissect all of the latest happenings in Washington. Check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts and become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Google Play Music app. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. Welcome back to Watching Your Wealth. Now it's time for financial advisor Mary Dethridge to take our fun financial quiz. Mary, you ready? Okay. All right. So what's the best financial advice you ever received? Don't let the tax tail wag the dog. Mm, that is a good one. You can't make every decision because it makes sense for taxes. Very, but you can't forget taxes either. Very true. Worst financial advice? Invest it and forget it. Mm, yeah, you don't want to The world it. changes every day. You've got to keep up with it. That's true. Um, fill in the blank. Money can buy. Money can buy more flexibility and more choice. Mm, indeed. Money can't buy. A happier, successful family. Oh, good one. If you want a million dollars after tax, what would you do with it? I would definitely invest half of it. And I think I would remember how lucky I was to receive it, so I'd give half to my favorite charities. Oh, how nice. That's great. I love that. Um, a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us, Mary. Thank you. This has been Watching Your Wealth, a production of The Wall Street Journal. I'm Veronica Dagger. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.